It's important we look at the facts. Why? Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal. Hello and welcome to another Planet Hollywood. I'm Paul Hutchin, political editor of the Daily Record. Joining me this week are John Ferguson, who's the political editor of the Sunday Mail, and Douglas Dickey of the Scottish Daily Express. So probably for the first time since we launched Planet Hollywood, there are another, other subjects to discuss other than the SNP police investigation, which seems to have dominated Scottish politics for weeks now. Um, maybe it's a sign of politics getting back to relative normality. So let's start with uh, what was uh, a bit of a, a row over the weekend at the Scottish Tory conference in Glasgow. Now, the Conservatives have been jumping up and down, calling for transparency from the SNP uh, in relation to membership numbers. I think that's absolutely fine. The SNP have been acting very badly on that. Um, they've also been criticising the SNP over the fact that uh, press uh, were nearly banned from the hustings in their first uh, leadership contest. And again, they were right to call out the SNP on that. But at their own conference, it seemed like they were trying to shut out various media titles from uh, being part of a huddle with the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. And it was only after the press kicked up an almighty fuss that uh, they bowed to pressure and uh, caved into transparency. So, Dougie, let's start with you. This was stinking hypocrisy, wasn't it, from the Scottish Tories? Well, uh, Paul, obviously we were um, one of the chosen few who um, would have got in beforehand. So, you know, my understanding of the situation is that this was a, a pre-arranged sit-down with Rishi Sunak as opposed to a press huddle press conference, um, uh, you know, with a selected group of, um, group of, uh, you know, journalists. This wasn't, you know, people being banned from a press conference here, which we've obviously seen in the past from, you know, the likes of Alex Salmond, uh, a great lover of banning uh, certain titles from uh, press conferences. So, you know, from our point of view, um, uh, to us, we, we were invited along to ask Richie some questions. Um, which we which we did so, and uh, all of a sudden there was a big uh, stink kicked up about it, and some others uh, in, uh, invaded the scene. Was 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 the? Uh, How come it was only centre right titles that were invited? Well, because I, I don't think Rishi Sunak really wants to sit down with the national, um, because I, you know I don't think they're going to be particularly um, kind to him. You know, the, record, view, the Scotsman, the Herald, all of them were. I think part from of point of view, you know, is it? I'm sure you wouldn't have been happy if we tried to muscle in and, you know, you're exclusively Humza this week, Paul. Ah, that um, was a one-to-one, -one, though, but this was yeah. like five or six different titles. Uh, I mean, how can a party, you know, criticise, say, the SNP for trying to exclude the media from a hustings and then basically try and exclude multiple titles, you know, from their own sit-down with, with Sunak? But this wasn't, you know, this wasn't hustings. The press weren't banned from the Tory conference. You know, no one was banned. This was a pre-arranged sit-down. Ah, but if it was, if it was it a sit-down with one title, if it was like you get a sit-down with Express, fair enough. But this was like multiple titles. They just decided to exclude the ones they didn't like. I mean, how, how is that respecting press freedom? Well, I, I, 
I think ultimately, if you know, had it been a press conference or a press huddle, yet then I think yeah, you would have a point. But you know, I've been involved before select titles and uh, invited along to chat to people. Uh, I don't think it's anything particularly strange. It's not like everyone else was banned from the conference. Um, so to us, it, it didn't feel like you know a big deal. Um, obviously, others seen it differently. Um, I don't think really think it's in the same category as what we've been discussing elsewhere in the last few weeks. Isn't it in the same category though as Alex Salmond and his final press conference at Butte House after he lost the referendum, when he basically told titles like the Telegraph and others that they couldn't attend? So well, that was, you know, that was a press conference. So this wasn't a press conference. So it wasn't a one to one either. No, but it was, you know, it was a a select sit down, which you know, I, I I don't think is a particularly rare thing. So, um, I, I, you know, we think uh, mountains from molehills. I think is uh, is kind of our uh, take on it. Obviously, it's nice is, is, party, Paul. So you know, it's uh, is John is is Dougie. Is he talking sense or is he talking? No, I mean, I think it's pretty clear, isn't it? This is a massive case of the kettle calling the pot black. The um, the whole of the press corps should have been allowed into that and to meet the Prime Minister. Um, Rishi knows that he's not going to get an easy ride when he comes to Scotland. It's, this is nothing new. You know, he'll quite frequently pop up in the far reaches of the north of Scotland to avoid having to meet the wider press because he knows that they're going to ask him difficult questions that equally um the you know the Tories were very happy to go on at the SNP over their membership numbers but quite rightly they've been criticized for refusing to reveal their own membership numbers to be honest I don't know why they don't just come out and say look the numbers are quite low we are not a mass membership party like the SNP we are after your vote not sort of paying members so yeah i think the 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 conservatives can't give lessons on transparency to anyone and there's lots of very good reasons why they don't want to be transparent they've been hiding behind the um the smp's troubles over the last few weeks but the fact is that the conservatives have got loads of extremely serious questions to answer around covid contracts around party gates that's just still rumbling on around uh, dodgy BBC chairmanship appointments around all of the Russian money that seems to have found its way into the Conservative Party around the role of Brexit and the cost of living crisis. So, you know, the, the, the Conservatives are not a transparent party and from their point of view with good reason because they've got some very, very serious questions to answer. Right, let's move on to the SNP police investigation. It's kind of died down a little bit this week compared to previous weeks. Uh, John, you had another really decent exclusive at the weekend about cops probing um, money that had been given through wills. Um, today we ran uh, an article by the former uh, media chief of the SNP, Murray Foote, who quit um, over false information being provided to the Sunday Mail over membership data. Now, to pretty much summarise Murray's argument, uh, he's made some pretty damning criticisms of the police investigation. Uh, he's described it 
I think, as a grotesque circus. Um, and he's even offered a bet on whether there's going to be no charges. So just starting with you, with you, John, what do you make of Murray's critique, fair or not? So I obviously read this piece with interest. Um, I think that some of the points he makes are quite fair. You know, he, um, he's, he's basically, his argument seems to be, if it transpires in a few months that there's been nothing to this, then the police and the Crown will have very serious questions to answer because they have, will have effectively played a huge role in dismantling people's faith in the, in the, in the ruling party of Scotland. Um, and all for nothing if it transpires that there are no charges and that there's not a case to answer. I think that's a totally reasonable point. You know, the police are, it is clear that this, rightly or wrongly, this is having a massive impact on the functioning of Scotland's democracy. And that's that's a serious thing. I think for that reason, the police should be thinking about that and they should be, you know, they should be trying to conclude this process sooner rather than later in whatever way it's concluded. So I think that's a fair enough point to make. I think the thing that's quite puzzling is why Murray is so utterly convinced that there's going to be nothing to do this. Um, now, I would um, I would caveat that by saying that he said that he would bet on there being no charges, but then he said he would only bet a fiver which will barely buy you a pint these days. So it doesn't actually suggest that he's got that much confidence that there's not going to be any charges. Um, so so, so I, it's close to money. It's told me that he's received quite a lot of uh, bets this morning. Um, so yes, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm pretty, sure, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure there'd be a lot of people wanting to, to place a bet with him on, on that one. Um, and if I, you know, the board serious point here I don't you know I think it's Murray's track record in these matters hasn't been stellar I think that is worth pointing out um there hasn't been any evidence so far that the police are sort of using this as some you know there is an argument that this is some kind of um unionist plot to destroy the SMP I think that's pretty far fetched I think the thing for example you know this is an example of this grotesque circus that Murray has suggested is the, the presence of a, a tent outside the First Minister's home. Um, now, without saying too much about the case itself, I think what you could see there was that there was a tent over the entrance that a van was driven into that might suggest that perhaps items were being removed from that house and that the tent was there in order to protect the First Minister's privacy uh, rather than to, you know, to somehow embarrass her. So I don't, I don't think there's any evidence at the moment that the, that the police are screwing up this investigation or, or doing anything towards them. Um, the, the comparison with Rangers is an interesting one, given that that case did actually conclude in charges and a trial, albeit a trial that ended a bit of embarrassment and for the, the Crown. And, uh, I, want to, I want to bring in Dougie, because he's a... He's a big Rangers fan. So, Dougie, another point Murray Foote made in his piece, he was likening the police investigation into SNP finances with the malicious prosecutions against Rangers. Now, I know you know a lot about that story. Is that a fair comparison, do you think? Well, I think that remains to be seen, Paul. Obviously, John's right. We don't know yet um, 
whether even you know charges will be brought. And there is obviously the difference in you know the Rangers situation that um, uh, charges were brought. There were you know there was a trial. Whereas right now we're still at the or it's, it feels like we're still at the early stage of, the, of this. Even though as 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 Murray Foot pointed out, this you, you know investigation's been going on for two and a half years now. So, but I think at the same time, I mean, we're talking about an investigation into, you know, two massive Scottish institutions. Um, I, I, I can't imagine many Rangers fans would be happy with the comparison to the SNP, but um, obviously what happened there is, you know, the Crown are facing a, a, a £50 million bill for this. And, there are, you know, the real questions that the Crown need to answer on that. And ultimately, if, you know, if, if, if Murray Foot is correct, which I, I found the whole article a bit odd, to, to be honest, because everyone knows that there might not be charges. Everyone understands that. We, we kind of get it. You know, Murray Foot's obviously an SNP supporter. He was in the SNP payroll until relatively recently. Of course, he's going to think, you know, that the police investigation's a sham. Uh, it wasn't really a surprise to see it. So I think, I think we only know if the if the Rangers comparison is 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 relevant once and if you know if and when charges are brought, but the other thing, the other difference being is that the Rangers charges were brought after, if you want to say, the downfall of the club. Obviously, but well, I mean, we're not quite back to where we'd want to be right now, but um, it, it came after the uh, the um, the takeover in two thousand and twelve, whereas here. It, it's happening when the SNP are at the top, or or have been at the top of uh, Scottish politics for sixteen years. So the Rangers ones actually kind of flown under the uh, the radar a bit because of the fact that the club's back in the Premier Division. I think if we were still, you know, down in the in the kind of lower leagues, people would maybe pay a bit more attention to it. But whereas with the SNP, it's obviously front and centre. I think the Rangers ones went under the radar, but I think once everything, you know, everything. Everything's concluding that there's going to be a massive public bill and there's going to be public outrage about it, uh, the same way that there's public outrage with the SNP. So I, I guess the answer, are they comparable? Well, yes and no. So we just need to wait and see how, you know, how... I think it was maybe last week I did a story about former special advisor who works who worked for Nicola Sturgeon, Noel Dolan, criticising the police investigation. Now we have Murray Foote. Do you think there's an attempt by some people in the SNP to... to Criticise the police probe. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think obviously, um, you know, one week I, I did see that story, Paul, and then this week as well. Obviously, front page, um, it's getting a lot of traction. Um, the SNP would love nothing more than to discredit this, and I think I think the problem lies, and in some ways, it, right now it doesn't matter if there's charges. And, and in fact, I, I think Ms. Hannah made the point last week, show it, it might actually be better for the SNP if there were, because then, you know, we would need to wait for the court case. In some ways, it doesn't matter because the, the damage in a lot of people's eyes is already done. And obviously the SNP are trying to limit that damage, try to question it. Uh, and I've no doubt at all that there's people uh, high up in SNP HQ thinking, how can we try and discredit almost this this um, police investigation? And now they're uh, you know they're, they're coming out, and that's what they're trying to do. Um, we're gonna, sorry, on you go, John. 
I think that there will inevitably be these accusations from within the SNP that, that, that you know that the police are going after the party um, maliciously. The counter argument would be that after the experience of Rangers, they wouldn't be so stupid as to mess up in that respect a second time, given it's cost them over fifty million pounds in the case of Rangers. Um, we're going to break new ground on Planet Hollywood and actually discuss a policy. Um, you know, we've been so consumed by the police investigation that uh, so the, the meat and drink of what Hollywood discusses tends to fall by the wayside. Now, free school meals. Um, I did an interview with the new First Minister, Hamza Youssef, earlier this week, and uh, he basically dropped a strong hint that he didn't want to see any more expansion of universal free school meals. So the policy exists for primary one to five just now. They're committed to extending it for six and seven. And there's also a campaign for it to apply to secondary school pupils as well. So um, he, he sort of suggested to me that uh, that wasn't going to happen. Um, now, John, the Sunday Mail have got a campaign for universal free school meals. What did you make of Hamza's comments? I thought they were, it was really disappointing to hear him saying that, obviously. Um, the Sunday Mail have been campaigning for universal free school meals. That's not just something that we've come up with. It's something that teaching unions, unions generally, teachers themselves, uh, public health experts have all said this is a really big problem that children are going to school hungry because of the cost of living crisis. You know, so this is something I think we don't, it shouldn't be politicised. It's a, a really serious issue around uh, child poverty. Um, one of the things that has also been said is that there are real advantages to making this a universal benefit because there's this stigma for kids who get, you know, call it the olden days a dinner ticket. People, kids that are getting a free school meal will feel stigma if all kids aren't entitled to that same benefit because it kind of cuts them out as the kids whose parents haven't got much money. Um, so, so what I would say about this is that Hamza seems to be saying that he agrees with some universal benefits, but not with others. And I would say that it's strange then that he's picked free school meals to draw the line at because actually this is one of the few benefits where there are clear evidence that universality actually helps everybody. You could, you know, you could argue that, for example, free prescriptions, there's no stigma attached to means testing prescriptions. There's no stigma in terms of means testing free university education or for example, free bus travel for OAPs. You know, these are all things that you could easily means test and there wouldn't be any downside in terms of the people who really need that benefit, benefiting from it. So I think it's a real shame that Hums has chosen free school meals to say he doesn't think that should be universal, which should be means tested. And I think that there's a danger that despite his um, constant constantly saying that he's very progressive, that, you know, he's, by saying he wants to means test free school meals, he's going to end up looking rather mean himself. 
Well, I just want to challenge you on a couple of points there. I mean, he has said quite clearly that his top priority in government will be to reduce poverty. That's what he wants to be judged on. So if you look at the latest stats, I think there are 250,000 children now in poverty, which is about one in four. So if he wants to cut poverty, surely that's about giving more money to people who are in poverty and not giving it to people who are in middle incomes and higher incomes, which is what free school meals would do. Isn't that just an obvious point? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's economic realities here. There's only so much money and you want to make sure the money's well spent. Um, but that's why I would say that if you want to means test benefits, then perhaps there are better benefits to means test. For example, uh, free university tuition, not saying that should be a policy that's scrapped, but that is something that benefits more middle class families than working class families. Equally, free travel for pensioners is something that, you know, there's, there are many, many pensioners who are not struggling, but they all benefit from that universal provision. So I just, I think that the case of free school meals, there's overwhelming evidence from teachers, from teaching unions that this, the children are going hungry in school, that this is a very direct way that you can alleviate that aspect of poverty, food poverty, and that there are huge benefits to making that provision universal, that you'll, you'll get to more kids that really need it by making it available to all kids. Surely, let's say you had 500 million quid to play with, and you're looking at it in the context of what's the best use of those resources to reduce child poverty. Surely, something like topping up universal credit, topping up the Scottish child payment for targeted groups like lone parents or under 25, you know, that would have a tangible benefit, tangible reduction on the child poverty targets in a way that free school meals for every child, regardless of their parents' income, simply would not. Um, I mean, again, I would just, I would point to the evidence from experts in this field that actually it would, that this is, a good way of get how can you how can you be more direct in helping kids than to actually give them food in school? You know that that is you can't get a more direct way of helping helping kids than doing that. There are also issues with topping up other benefits that perhaps that won't reach the 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 children that that are living in poverty in the end. So there's yeah there's that you know you governments work within limited budgets and there's always an argument that money could be better spent elsewhere and it's a age-old debate to be had you know about the universality versus means-tested benefits but what i would say is that there is really strong evidence that this is this benefit is one of the few that the the lack of means testing actually has a tangible benefit for the, the kids that really need it, as well as the kids that might be getting a free meal at school when their parents can afford to give them it. I mean, you've spoken about the groups that are in favour of um, universal free schools. Have they done any research on the number of kids that would be taken out of poverty as a result of this policy and how much it would fall by from 250,000? Because I think that's critical. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the, what, you, what you would know for sure is that kids wouldn't be hungry in school. You know that is that is, you wouldn't you don't need that study to know that, and there's also been some really good work done in London where they are actually rolling out 
free school meals for all primary school kids, which they haven't been able to do up here yet, despite it being promised years ago. Um, that appears to be working really successfully. And there's been a pilot ran in a couple of secondary schools in London, which found that it could, you know, you could buy, for example, staggering lunch breaks. You could you could deliver the policy without um, without having to spend too much money on extra, you know, canteen facilities and things like that, which is one of the arguments that the Scottish government has used for not extending the policy into secondary schools. They've found that just by, you know, being creative, you can find ways around that and that, that they found huge, that's so they found huge benefits for kids across all school ages from 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 universal free school meals. So I think that there, there, there is a... a evidence space out there that this is something that is really effective. I, mean, I spoke to a council leader today who said that you could actually just raise the income threshold for qualification. You know, you should maybe like anyone who's in a household where the income is like 20, 25 grand, even 30 grand, you know, you could give every child free school meals. But for, for every single child, regardless of how much their parents earn, was that not just like a waste of money? Well, we've already implemented that policy for more. So the, the 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 principle has been accepted by the the Scottish government. Certainly, that there are, that this is a good thing to pursue. That universality and this benefit is a is a good thing. So that that's been accepted by the government. That's not up for debate. That's why they've rolled this out to primary one to five. So the what they need to answer is why they think that it would be counterproductive to give that same benefit to all kids. Um, I mean, there's also a, a pretty good argument that you, you save a lot of money through not having to take money in. You don't, you don't need to have checkouts and all of that kind of things in school. You don't need to have all the admin associated with charging some kids and not charging others. And also going through the, pros, the, the admin process of means testing which requires getting information in each kid's parents income you know so there's there's lots of ways that you can save money by just making sure that every kid is has a meal available to them if they want one the other thing is that you know that this isn't a situation where kids would be forced to take a free school meal that you would loads of secondary school kids uh, tend to go for lunch out with the school grounds. Um, there was also, I'm quite sure, there could be the provision put in place or pairs if they, if they want to, they can just continue to to pay in some sort of top-up card scheme. So that, so that there's, that it's, uh, I, you, you're right to say that we need research in this area. What I would say is that the Scottish government don't seem to have done that research themselves. Um, that they promised a pilot scheme to look at extended free school meals into secondary schools almost a year ago, and that's still not happened. You know, they, they should at least deliver that and then work, they, you know, they could look at the data that they get back and decide from that whether they think that it's the right thing or not, just to suddenly say that they're knocking the whole policy in the head. Just, to, you know, it, it, it feels to me like they're letting families down. Dougie, what's your take on the apparent free school meals you turn? Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a complex one. I, I, I think John hit the nail on the head when he said that there's other 
uh, policies out there that he could have looked at. Um, I, I, I would, I, you know, tuition fees, prescriptions, free bus travel, etc. Um, the main thing for me is uh, I think that free school meals ends the stigma around, uh, you know, kids going into school and being, I, I, as John said, the dinner ticket. I mean, I, 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 I afraid I, I was, I was one of the kids religiously took my, my, my meal outside the school when I was at secondary because no one touched school meals in those days. I think there's also a health benefit of it to make sure that they're not out there eating, you know, rolls and chips for their lunch um, every day. I, I, I just think it's another, it's a bit of a tactical error from Humza Yusuf. Um, it's a, 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 a policy that I don't think anyone was really going to have a major issue with. Um, and for me to pick that one over, say, for example, and I say this is someone that's on a repeat prescription, you know, repeat prescriptions, I, I, I certainly wouldn't bulk the pain for my prescription. Uh, you know, 90% of them were free anyway, I think, back in the day. So I, I think it's a real, a real tactical error from whom's I, I think it, it, it questions those kind of um, the qualities he was kind of putting forward in the SNP leadership campaign. I think people would have expected him to, or, or the, the people who voted for him within the SNP would have expected him to kind of take this forward. And um, obviously, uh, he'll be forever known as a dinner snatcher. So, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think I, I really, a real bad tactical error from him. And Do you think it's an interesting contrast that he's drawn with um, Nicola Sturgeon? Obviously, she was totally committed to the policy, but he now seems to be uh, drawing his own lines. Yeah. Um, the, the, the final thing to discuss uh, before we move on to Good Week, Bad Week, is this uh, curious by-election uh, row in I think Rutherglen and Hamilton West. So it looks like we're going to get a by-election if Margaret Ferrier is effectively pushed out and Labour are selecting a candidate. Um, but there's been allegations of um, dirty tricks and a stitch-up with some candidates getting excluded from the shortlist. Um, Dougie, is this a, a sort of classic Labour selection row for you? Uh I think it's a Westminster bubble row, or you know, not even a Westminster bubble row. It's another one bubble row. I think um, the people on the street, um, the voters, aren't going to mind. I think they'll quite like the prospect of a guy who wasn't a Corbynite um, kind of getting jettisoned in there. But yeah, I, I mean, it just goes to show you that you know, Labour are obviously riding high in the polls, but they still know uh, exactly how to shoot themselves in the foot from time to time. Um, I mean, the word I'm obviously, you know, Paul, I, I, I'm from that constituency. I mean, a few people I've spoken to, um, they know that Keir Starmer is, is eager to not let anyone in who might cause any issues for him. I, I, I don't know if any of those three would. We a stalker was certainly very, very visible. Another one, I was, I was quite surprised that she was uh, kind of unceremoniously dumped, but. Um, I think regardless of it, I, I doubt very much this is going to, you know, break through um, to voters. Uh, I think, I think, I, I think we're back to monkey and a red rosette in Rutherland um, for the next by-election, which is what it was obviously for quite a long time. Um, but, John, do um, you smell a stitch up, or is it, uh, you know, fair yeah. transparent process? I think Douglas is hit the nail on the head here. This is the, the root of this is about a feeling that um, Keir Starmer is dropping any candidate that there's even a sniff of the old style 
Labour left about them, um, and wants, uh, you know he, want, he wants to instead. You've got local candidates who have campaigned for the party through the bad years, and Keir now wants to parachute in sort of new Labour style drones in their place. Um, I think that at the moment it's a it's a bit of a bubble issue, but I do think that that larger issue of there being a big faction within the Labour Party who are increasingly furious at the way Keir Starmer is, as they see it, turning his back on the, the heart of the party, the old left wing of the party. Um, I think that that's, that's something that's going to increasingly bubble over into the public as we approach a general election. All right, let's wrap things up. John, let's start with you. Good week, bad week. So I've chosen, I think this is a really bad week for, for Scottish school children. They've, um, there's the, the, the commissioner for children and young people himself said just a few weeks ago that, um, that the kids that he had been talking to were really keen to see uh, school meal, free school meals rolled out to all school children. Uh, Hamza Yusuf seems to be saying he's not in favour of that happening despite all the benefits that it could bring, as we've discussed earlier. So I think it's been a bad and sad week for school children, um, especially those living in poverty. Um, I think that it's been, interestingly, quite a good week or last few months. This might seem like a strange one, but it's been quite a good week for Scottish independence. Um, the reason I say that is really? that... Yeah, well, the reason I say that is that despite the kind of catalogue of terrible headlines for the SNP over the last month or so, actually most of the polls we've seen seem to be suggesting that while support for the SNP seems to be taking a dip, actually support for independence itself is remaining more or less where it's been for the last year or so. Um, in the kind of high 40s. So that's a really interesting thing. It, what it potentially suggests is that support for independence is decoupling from support for the SNP. Um, would point to there being a lot of homeless voters now that want a mainstream party that's kind of centre-left that, that is a bit more soft on a second referendum, for example. Um, but, you know, it, certainly the, the evidence is that while the SNP are going through a bad patch, actually the overall mission to achieve an independent Scotland isn't. Okay, then, Dougie, who's looking at the stars? Who's lying in the gutter for you? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, flip uh, John's words about. I, I, I think it's been a good week for the union. Um, because after after nine years of throwing absolutely everything at it, um, support for for independence has barely moved. Um, and, and in fact, I think the poll last night suggested we were we were right back at forty five fifty five. Um, I think as well, even though there is maybe a decoupling between the SNP and independence, ultimately the SNP are the mainstream uh, independence party. The Greens and Alba are nowhere near them. And those votes are going over to you know other parties, mainly mainly Labour. 
I, I think it shows that support for independence is actually pretty soft out there and people might like it as an idea. When it comes to the practical realities of it, we're going to back a unionist party um, for bad week. Take your pick. It's been a bad week for um, Scottish fishermen, for uh, you know school kids. Some people would say it's been a bad week for freedom of speech, but I've went for uh, Humza, Humza Yusuf. I think he's had a bad week. And I was... The reason I've picked him is because I've seen a few people saying that he'd actually enjoyed quite quite a good week, probably his best week as FM, and I, I thought that is probably true, but I think that's because this week's been a 2 out of 10 rather than a 1 or 0 out of 10. He's, he's, um, I said he had his best day yesterday. Yeah, that I, oh, I, I, that's it. Not his best week, but I see your point about, you know, it's a low bar given the problems. I, I mean, so what, what he's done is he's ditched another one of Sturgeon's... Uh, Policies. Another view turned on something the SNP supporters might expect him expect him to follow through on um, at the expense of Scottish children. He's he's had a mini rebellion, uh, which six weeks into the job, I think Sturgeon to go about nine years before there was even a hint of a rebellion. And uh, obviously, the poll last night suggested that um, uh, Labour are uh, narrowing the gap quickly. And in fact, uh, I think they've, they've 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 taken over the SNP in the on the last vote. Uh, what I think is interesting about that is whether some of those green list votes might might move back over to the SNP when people see that happening, but uh, that kind of remains to be seen. His own personal ratings are, 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 are you know pretty poor. Uh, I think he's, he's he's enduring an absolutely torrid time of it. But you know what, two out of ten this this week, Humza, it's an improvement on usual. So uh, let's let's see. He might get he might manage three next week. Right, that's it. For another week, um, I hope you enjoyed the latest Planet Hollywood. Thanks again to John and to Dougie for their commentary. Uh, please join us again next week. It's important we look at the facts. Why? Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal.